Pentecost Sunday is, is next Sunday, and we are a Pentecostal church, which means uh, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, um, with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. Um, and I know in this church we have people from all different backgrounds and, and uh, different denominations, and, and we love that about this church. And, and, um, and some people are, 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 you know, have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and other people haven't, and some people aren't sure, and some people are still freaked out by it, and some people don't know what to think. But they know they just love being here and being part of what God is doing. And so I just want to talk to you this morning a little bit about Pentecost and, and the purposes of it and, and, and what it means for us today. Uh, I think if you were to go around and ask people today to define Pentecost uh, or Pentecostalism, you'd have different, different you know, uh, responses. I, I remember not too long ago I was asked to, to go to um, a Christian college and, and talk to, to them about um, uh, Pentecostalism, and, uh, and I had some interesting questions, uh, and they were wonderful people, and, and interesting questions, but some of the questions I had were, were, do you have to speak in tongues to go to your church? And, and I remember saying, you know, we don't have tongue checkers at the door. Uh, I was asked if we don't agree with anybody else, you know, who doesn't speak in tongues, and, and, and I said, listen, understand where we are. We're about Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that's where we are. I mean, we, we, we believe in, 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 in Pentecost, but that's not to divide us or separate us. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I don't like it when it's used to cause division and separate us. What I care about is people being saved by the power of Jesus Christ. The rest of it really is up to, is up to him. What I said to the class was this, is, is listen, I don't want to make it about a thing. You know, um, I said, I hope you don't lose sleep if I speak in tongues, and I'm not going to lose sleep if you don't. But here's what I want to say, and this is what I want to say to everybody, no matter where you are, as Christians, do you want everything that God has for you? If the answer is no, you go back to the beginning and say, okay, God, why am I not wanting what you have for me? All right? But as Christians, we should want everything that God has for us. And I like to channel people to pray that way and say, listen, don't get hung up on something or don't look for something or whatever. Just say, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be empowered by you. I want to have everything that you have for me. And if, if you wake up speaking tongues, don't blame me. If you don't, I'm not going to get upset. I just want you to have what God has for you. Um, I think the, the, the problem that we have in Pentecostal circles is, is, you know, it's wonderful speaking in tongues and, and all of that, but sometimes we make it about it, and, and we miss it. We make it more about going after the gift rather than going after the giver. And that really, and, and we miss it, and then we, we make it about this thing, and we can't wait to get this thing, and we treat it like it's this badge of superiority or, or honor or something that we want to place on the wall and show to everybody, and look what I've got, and it makes us more superior. And sometimes people who, who speak in tongues can be super spiritual and, and super ugly. They just can't be. Sometimes they can use it as a platform to look down on other people, and, and if that's happening, you really don't get the purpose of it, because it's not that at all. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what it's not before we talk about what it is. All right, number one, you can't earn it. You don't get it because you're more righteous than somebody else, all right? It is not about tongues in itself. 
It is not about being loud. It is not about a music, worship, or preaching style, although Pentecostal churches tend to be louder, but that's not what it's about. It's not about a movement or an ism. I don't think God is going, I didn't mean this to turn into a, I think God is saying, I didn't mean to turn this into an ism, like Pentecostalism. He, he, this wasn't about that. This wasn't about, now, hey, we, we, again, that, that leads to division and separation more than anything else, all right? So it's not about that. It's not about being a super Christian. And it's wrong when we make it about ourselves. Now, does it empower us? Yes. Does, is it an amazing thing? You know, when you pray in the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit praying within you, through you, for you with words You don't even know, but he's praying right according to the need that you have. And so sometimes when I have a difficult situation, and I'm not sure the words to pray, I'll pray in tongues, and it's a powerful, it's the Holy Spirit praying through me, for me. Sometimes when I'm praying for someone who comes up here and there's a a difficult, overwhelming situation, and I don't even know, you know, sometimes you get these situations where you go, man, where do you even begin? And I'll just pray in tongues over them because it's a powerful way, it's the Holy Spirit praying through me for them for their deepest need, because he knows their needs. And so it's a powerful, wonderful thing. So what is it? All right. Well, Jesus makes it pretty clear before he even gives this gift. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there are a couple of things or a few things that stand out in this when he says this. Number one, he says, you will receive power. So you are receiving a power that is not your own. It's not about you. It's not about Selwyn or you or your power. He says, man, you are going to receive power. It's a power that comes from God. It's a power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into the why. Here's the why you're going to receive this power. So that you and I will be witnesses. If you look up the definition of witness, if you have a witness to a car accident, you've got somebody who has seen firsthand with their own eyes what took place. And so they basically hold within them evidence of truth, evidence of what happened. And so one of the definitions for witness is evidence and proof. And so God is saying, Jesus is saying, man, you will receive power so that you will have evidence and proof of who I am in your lives. A power that does not belong to you or me, but to God. And so when people encounter us and the power of the Holy Spirit within us, they're encountering what? Evidence and proof, not of my power, but of his. And they come into contact with who God is. And then he says, you will be my witnesses locally, basically, and internationally. Wherever you go, you are to be my witnesses. And so he says, this is the why behind the what. So you understand that when we make it about an ism, we make it about a club. We make it about a group. We make it about that kind of thing. And we make it about division rather than outreach and witnessing and empowering. When we make it about, hey, I've got this, you don't, we have it's almost, you remember that Eddie Murphy scene where he says, I've got an ice cream? He's like, I've got an ice cream. You don't? A couple of you remember that, all right? But it's, we kind of make it kind of like, oh, look what I've got. You don't. When we get like little kids, that's not what God had intended for this. 
He's like, this is to empower you to go out, not to separate, not to make you more spiritual than somebody else or less spiritual, to empower you so people will come into contact with not you, but with me. And that's the purpose of it. You guys know I like to make things as simple and as clear as I possibly can. And and I know for some of you, a lot of you, you're going to go, okay, this is so basic. But I want to go back to the beginning so we clearly understand and get a whole picture of what's actually happening when God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So to go back to the beginning, we know that what? Our sins separated us from, from God. Right? Way back in the garden, when Eve said, you know what? And she listened to Satan, and Satan said, basically, man, listen, God is basically holding you back. If you will blow him off and pay no attention, you can have more. You can be like God. You can have his knowledge and all this power. And at that moment, Eve was like, man, I don't, God's just, just again, keeping me and holding me back, and I can have more. And, and so sin is really wanting more than God. And serving yourself over serving God. And so at that point where, where, where she, she picked that fruit and Adam also took off of that fruit, that there, that action put Jesus on the cross. Where God was no longer enough. At that, at that point in time, from that point forward, the entire Bible exists about reconciliation and a path from, from our sin back to who he is. All right? So then God says, man, I, I'm not okay with my, with my kids separated, living in darkness, and, and honestly, on their way to death and hell for eternity. And so I'm going to create a way. And so his son, Jesus, comes. And Jesus, part of the Trinity, is fully God, fully man. In fact, it says, the scripture says, the word became flesh. It's God's word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. And so what we have here is Jesus is this living picture or image of God. He's the, he's the living word. And so in Jesus' life, the disciples and those around him got to see a picture of everything that God was and is in front of them. All right? They got to see Jesus' love and his grace, and they got to see Jesus' justice. We want to leave justice out of it, but we got to see God's justice when Jesus hung on a cross because his justice is strong, just as strong as his love. In fact, it's the crosses where his love and his justice meet. You can't have one without the other. So it's both, and they get to see this, 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 this justice and this love and this grace of, of, of who God is. And right before their eyes, Jesus is walking around to those who have been rejected by society, um, those who are untouchable, unlovable, and he is, he's just embracing them and, and loving them and restoring them and healing them. And so as as all these people get to witness how Jesus is moving contrary to the way the super religious would want him to move, they get this image of this is who God is. In fact, if you want to just jump to John chapter 14, verses 6 through 14, I want to look at this a little bit closer because I believe in this passage we get a little bit more insight into what's taking place through Jesus' words himself. This is where Jesus talked about him being the, the, the only way to the Father. Again, John 14, verses 6 through 14. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. All right, now the disciples, he's like, what are you talking about? And Philip doesn't quite... Get this. Jesus is saying, in knowing me, you get to know the Father. 
in seeing me and the picture of my life, you are seeing him. Philip doesn't get it, and Philip's response is in verse 8. He says this, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered Philip and said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? That the words I say to you are not just my own, but rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So just to put this down into basic, simple language, God is saying, man, when you see me, you see God. When you see, when you see I, the Father is in me, his eyes in him, and I am this picture. And Peter, I mean, Philip doesn't get it. He says, man, just show us the Father. And, and, and Jesus says, man, like, how can you say that? How, you don't, like, don't you believe, you need to believe me when I say that, that, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then I love what, what Jesus says. And says. He says, basically, and if you can't believe what I'm saying, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, then at least believe in the power of the miracles, the evidence of the miracles that you were seeing take place in me. What he's saying is, man, through the power and through the miracles, there is evidence, there is proof of God. These point to him. He says, look, if you can't believe my words, at least believe in the evidence. Because everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm saying comes through the Father. So he points to evidence. And the evidence that he points to of God the Father is in power, and it's in miracles. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jump down to verses 19 through 20 of the same chapter. And Jesus says, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, we've said a whole lot there. But I want to break this down a little bit. You have Jesus talking to Philip. And he says, now again, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. If you don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe in the evidence of power that you are seeing. And then it's like Jesus, in his mind, he changes thoughts. It's like he jumps to the future, and I'm sure the disciples had no clue what he was talking about. Because then he says this, after saying, listen, believe in the evidence of the power that you see in me. And then he jumps and says, and anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing and greater things. Okay, where did that thought come from, right? 
So I'm sure they were completely lost with that. But right away, Jesus is automatically seeing the bigger picture of the entire purpose he had in coming. The empowering of his people to carry on the mission. Or the Great Commission. So he jumps in. All of a sudden, Jesus is like he's looking into the future and says, Man, and let me tell you, not only are you seeing this, but anyone who believes in me will do what I am doing, and they will do greater things because I am going to the Father. That's the only reason. Because I am going to the Father, and it's important that I go to the Father, John 16, so that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will come and be with all of us. And because he comes and and is with all of us, we will all have the power of God within us. And then he goes on again and says this. And on that day, right? He just talked about greater things that we will be doing. And on that day, you will know that I am in the Father. The Father is in me. And you, he makes an addition. Before when he was talking, he didn't mention us. He was just talking him being in the Father and the Father being in him. And now he says, on that day, you will know that you are in me and I am in you. What is he talking about? He's talking about the demonstration and the evidence of power, not from us, but from God. You guys get that? This is what he's saying. And God just looks into the future. Jesus looks in the future and says, this is what's coming. You're going to know that I am with you. So Jesus comes to earth as this image and picture of God, this living word, this living message, and he lives God out in front of us. And we get to see a God of love and grace and forgiveness and justice and mercy and healing and miracles. And we get to see this Jesus, this God, and we fall in love with him. And God, God, God takes all of this sin after ministry for, for three years upon his shoulders and he dies. And we get this picture of a love so amazing from God that really it's hard to comprehend that he would die for us while we're still sinners. And he creates a path for us back to the Father, and it is finished. At that time, we are set free. We are forgiven, and this path has been created back to the Father. And now God, Jesus says, man, but this is not just it. I've paid the price. I've created a way, but part of my plan is you. You are to become like me. How many scripture references are there for that? The imitators of God. How many times when did Jesus say, you've seen me do this now, go do likewise. He was prepping. He was leading. I love his leadership. He was leading and saying, now do what I do. He was reproducing himself. He was empowering his people to be images and pictures of who he is. And so he makes this way and, and, and he dies on a cross and he rises again and he calls them to himself. And, and these same people who, who, who went to the... To, Went and ran away from the crucifixion, defeated and afraid, are now empowered and excited because Jesus is alive. He wasn't conquered by death in the grave. And he calls them to him before he ascends to heaven. And what does he say? All authority in heaven and earth is mine. Right? He also had said to them earlier, I am in you. You are in me. So all authority 
and heaven and earth is mine, and I am in you, and you are in me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and surely I am with you always. At that moment, there's a passing of the baton. It is God saying, now this is my picture. This is the purpose. And so I am taking myself and I am multiplying myself amongst thousands and millions of people to be little pictures of Jesus wherever they go. This is why Jesus says, it's important that I go. I must go so the comforter can come. And it's him who convicts the world. Right? So he says, man, so this is what's happening. So he says, now go. But then he says something really, really important. After he gives them the great commission, he says this in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. But do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's already told them to go. Now he's saying, but hold on. Before you step foot, there's something really important needs to happen. You will receive power. If you're receiving power, it's because you don't have power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Remember we just read in John 14 when Jesus is explaining to Philip, and he says, listen, if you can't believe in what I'm saying, at least believe in what you're seeing, right? That's what he said. He said, if you can't believe what I'm saying, at least believe in the evidence and the proof of power and miracles that you were seeing. See, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't want the world to come into contact with me. He doesn't want the world to come into contact with you. He wants the world to come into contact with him. Him alive in you. It doesn't take your power or my power to save this world. It takes his And so what he's saying is, when you go out there, it's almost like we could say, listen, don't believe in what I'm just saying. If you can't believe in what I'm saying, believe in what you're seeing. Because when you see the power manifested through my life, not from my life, but through my life from him, then you will know that there's a God because there's no way I can do this. I want to be clear that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something separate to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The, this, the Holy Spirit comes into your life at salvation, all right? And this is one of the big, you know, frictions that, 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 that we as Pentecostals have with other. A lot of people think we think it, you only get the Holy Spirit at, at the baptism. That's not the case. The the indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. When you get saved, he comes into you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Don't let anybody tell you that's not the case. The Holy Spirit is in you. But then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Subsequent to, it's an additional thing, all right? Remember this. Now, Jesus looked at the disciples after he was raised from from, from from the dead, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that point, they received salvation, and, and, and the Holy Spirit was indwelled them. 
Yet it was after he said that, they told them, wait for the baptism. You follow that? He had already said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you look at Jesus' life, Jesus was born. He's the son of God, all right, and the son of Mary. He was fully God and he was fully man. That means the, the DNA of the Holy Spirit was in him all his life, all right? And for 30 years, there's not one miracle recorded. Not one. But what happened before Jesus launched into his three years of ministry? He was baptized right, by John the Baptist. And he goes up and John baptizes him. And what does John see coming down and descending upon him? Dove. Holy Spirit like a dove. And at that moment, he was launched into ministry. And he was tempted and he overcame. But the miracles and the power started after that. It was an empowering for ministry. You follow that? We'll look at the disciples' lives again. The disciples, all right, Jesus had breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says, now these are the same guys who kind of, you know, Peter denied Christ and, and John had run away. They'd all run away. But, but, but something happened um, to them and inside of them between the time they ran away from Christ and after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you the example in a couple of seconds. But these are the guys that ran away and then they get excited. Jesus rises from the dead. So something's happening and they're excited about this. And, 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 and Jesus says to them, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift. They receive the gift. Peter goes on to preach the most powerful sermon ever in, in history. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then later we read, and I mentioned this last week, how Peter and John are walking to the temple. They go through the gate beautiful. And here's this crippled man. And this crippled man looks at him and, 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 and cries out for money. And here are these two people that were pretty much well cowards not too long ago. Something's transformed in their lives. And all of a sudden, they look at this cripple and they say this. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. All right? In the name of Jesus. They are saying, what I do have is power from on high and boldness from the Holy Spirit. That's what I have in me. It's not from me. It is through me from him. There's a difference in boldness, right? And it's in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And at that moment, here's this man who's been lame, right? Now, you know, if you've been lame and you haven't been walking, you have no muscle mass at all. Scripture actually says his muscles grew. I love that it actually is in Scripture. His muscles grew in an instant. And this man jumps up from nothing, and now he's jumping and dancing. And he doesn't have all the theology right behind this. He's not saying, well, this is because, you know, the fall of man and then the salvation of man and Jesus came and this is... He doesn't know. All he knows is the evidence and the power that's all. Remember, Jesus says to Philip, at least believe in the evidence and the power. There's something to the evidence and the power. That's why Jesus said to him, you need to wait for the power and the evidence, the witness and the proof. And so here's what happens. This man who's lame, he gets up and he's brought before the religious leaders. And he says, basically, I don't know what happened. I have no clue. I'll tell you what I do know. I was lame, 
And now I can walk. And all I know is something happened when these guys said it. And because of that, I will believe what they are saying. Because nothing else has changed me. And I will go now where they want me to go. That is not power of Peter and John. That is power of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus says, I don't want you to, people to come into contact with you. But me in you. And the power that I have. And this is what Jesus says. He says, before you go anywhere, this is what it's about. Isn't it a shame when we make it about tongues? Right? Like, oh, like, here's my little badge and my tongues, and I hang it on the wall, and I want everybody to know I'm a Pentecostal. I said first service, and I've used this before. If I give you a shovel, it's because you're supposed to dig a hole. Right? It's a tool. If you remember what the Holy Spirit said to us earlier in the sermon, the service is there are legions of angels. Use the tools that I am giving you to lead those who are lost. All right? Think about what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right? He's saying, these are, this is a tool. If you are given a shovel, please dig a hole. Don't hang it on the wall and show everybody your shiny shovel. And be proud of your shovel. And I think that's what we do sometimes. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But that's what we do sometimes. Like, look at my shovel. And God's going, man, you're missing it. Look at my tongues. How come you don't have a shovel? I have a shovel. My shovel's shining on your shovel. You know, whatever. It's just, it, it turns into something that, that, that God never intended to be. And then we have these divisions about, man, who does this and who doesn't do this? And is it of God and isn't of God? Listen. I don't really care. It sounds terrible, right? I don't care when you speak. Into, I, I do because I want you to be empowered. All right? But I'm not trying to prove a point. You will never find me arguing this with you because all I'm going to say to you is this. Pray that God will give you everything that he has for you. I'm not going to waste my time arguing because I know that this is what God has and that's fine. And it may be just a time that you have to go through. But what I get excited about is this. What this church will look like if we start moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like what happens and what changes? Here's the thing. My personal take on it, I believe that the, that the, that the, the initial physical evidence of, of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is tongues. If someone comes to me and I see this, like this healing ministry, I'm not going to go to them and go, well, let me hear you speak in tongues first before I actually believe that that's healing. I'm just not. Okay, here's why I really believe that, that, that it it's, starts with tongues. Now, understand this. It says initial, right? Not final authority, not ending, not the all-encompassing. This is, but this, it takes a lot to surrender your tongue, all right? I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for three years, and I was pushed around by lovely people, Hands on my head, raise your hands, say this, put your hands down, do this. And, and most of my prayer, most of the time was, God, make these people leave me alone. Right? I was so distracted. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm just being real, all right? It's, you know, and I was more distracted by the noise level and all this. I couldn't focus on God. And, and, and it wasn't just that, but I also I had too much control inside of me, all right? And, and, and so for me... What happens typically is what happens for all of us, right? We go, well, I don't want to sound crazy. And what if I look foolish? And what if I'm speaking gibberish? And what if this isn't of God? And, and, and I get that. And so what happens is pride begins to creep and go, man, I don't want to look foolish, and therefore I'm going to hesitate. And what God is teaching us to do is surrender 
and be yielded. Because if we're not yielded to him, we will never see the manifestation of his power. And I'm going to give you an example why. If I am nervous about what was sounding silly, how nervous will I be when I feel like the Holy Spirit says, I want you to pray over a man who's never walked before and tell him in front of other people in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Guess what's going to happen in my mind? What if I look silly? What if it's the same thing? If I can't get over that with tongues, how will I ever get over it when it comes to something like that? So that's why I begin to think, man, he says this, it's the initial physical evidence. It's not supposed to end there. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's. In Corinthians, we'll get into this next week, it's these different things. And we're whole one body. We don't all need to be a head. We don't only be a right hand or a left hand. And so all I care about is, are you moving where the Holy Spirit wants you to move? That's it. That's it. Some will prophesy. Some will speak in tongues. And, 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 and that needs to be interpreted. And, and others, honestly, will, will have healing ministries. And, and, and there'll be so many different things. But what happens if we, if we get over the fear? Because that's what keeps us back. Amen. It's the fear. For some of you who are speaking in tongues, what are you doing with it? Amen. And how long have you been speaking in tongues for? My dad said that to me 16 years ago. I never forgot it. I finally got it. And I'll be honest, I got baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't think I really had a clear understanding of it. It was just, for me, it was like, okay, it's what I'm supposed to do. And I, and I want this. And I want, and God gave it to me. But, but l- l- as life has continued, I think God has become, made it more and more clear that there's a, it's a tool, there's a purpose behind it. So my dad said to me, what are you doing with it? And I had to answer him, well, nothing at all. I just have a prayer life, a prayer language. And that's great for me. It's supposed to be more than me. And then, I, then he began to, my dad said, you need to begin to use it. I remember I was, I was sitting in a chapel service, and the first time that I felt like I had a, a message in tongues to give, I felt this feeling inside of me, and I was like, I was on fire, and I was like, oh my goodness, and, 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 and I felt like, man, is this what this is like? And, and I was holding back, right? Because I was, I was saying what we all say, well, what if I sound stupid, and what if it's not of God, and what if I open my mouth? And, and I was holding back, and all of a sudden, the guy right next to me spoke in tongues, right, and gave a message. And I remember thinking, come on! I missed it. I missed it. I missed an opportunity. And I thought, okay, God, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And so I thought, I'm going to wait for that same feeling again. I never had that same feeling again. All right? He, moved, he did move, but in a different way. Don't chase an emotion. Don't chase, don't chase a feeling. It's not about that. It's not about a high. It's about obedience and moving and surrender. And so what are we doing with it? Listen, if we let fear trump us from being used here in a safe place... How can we expect the world to come into contact with power and miracles? And Jesus said, listen, I'm giving the Holy Spirit so you will receive power as evidence, witness, proof, not to you, but to him. See, God's been speaking to us. And he's been saying there are waves of people coming. And what he's been prophesying to us is it's going to come through healing, emotional, physical, all of that. This is so on board and on tune with what God is saying to us, with the word he gave us this morning. They, they're not going to come because of a fancy you know, service or good preaching or, or, or worship. That's not how God wants to build the church. He wants to build it on a manifestation of his power. The only reason we need a new building is not for you. 
And it's not for me. It's for those who are going to come, like that layman who go, I have no idea why I'm here. All I know is that somebody prayed for me, and I was deaf, and now I can hear. And I just, I just, I'm going to, what are you doing? I want more of what you've got. And they will encounter God that way. You know where that comes? It doesn't just come from the people on the platform. It's not about us. We are a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. And if we will get past the ism in our name and make it about power and about the Holy Spirit and building, what happens when there's a manifestation of power through the Holy Spirit in your life? What happens when people come to contact with you and they are healed? That's what New England needs. It's a manifestation of his power, not mine and not yours. I got nothing, nothing except for him. I love what Paul says, man, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. What happens if we move in this? What happens if we get beyond fear? Let me tell you right now, none of you are righteous enough to have it. You're just not. Your righteousness is as filthy rags just like mine. All right? It's not about being righteous enough. It is about positioning yourself to receive. It is about yielding yourself, letting control go. It took me three years because of control I had. That God wanted to work on my control so that I would learn to be yielded. And and every time in my life, he keeps stretching me more and more. And guess what? Every time he wants to use me in different ways, it's just as scary. The same, I wish I could say the thoughts go away where it's just like, man, I got no fear. No, the fear is there. The question is, will I listen to him or will I listen to fear? But when I listen to him, we will see great things. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I know what we should do in most services about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is I should call everybody up here. We should pray over you. You should all receive tongues. But that's not what we're doing this morning. Because here, I want this to happen. I want you to chew on this. I want you to take this home, and I want you to say, God, speak to me in this. I want every tool and every equipping that you have for me. I want this because I want to be empowered by you. Do you want everything that God has for you? Do you? As a Christian, the answer should be yes. If you can't say yes, then you need to go back to God about other things. All right? But as Christians, don't seek tongues. Just seek him and let him worry about what he gives you. Let's not make it about a thing or an ism or about a tool. Let's make it about his kingdom and reaching the lost and those who are on their way to hell unless we surrender and yield ourselves to him. And let's move in obedience and power. And I want to tell you, when that happens in our lives, you won't be able to keep people out, not because of you or because of me, because when they come into contact with you and in this church, they come into contact with a God and a power that is above and beyond anything they can dream imagine and God will set people free that's about the kingdom that is what Pentecost is about that's why he came that's why he died and that's why he sent you but he said don't go until you receive power if you don't have this no one's beating you up this morning you're not a lesser Christian you're not I know we I know there's been some Pentecostal people have said some horrible things They don't represent us at this church. You're not a lesser person, 
all right? But I do say this. God wants to use you way beyond what you dream or imagine. He does. All you have to do is say, God, I want it. I want it. That's it. I, I want what you have for me. And if you would just say, God, would you walk me through this? Listen, you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit here. I love one story. We had a guy who was on the fence about this. He woke up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues. I love this story. He wasn't even sure he believed in God. <laughs> he does now. But I love this. God is bigger than, than, than your doubt. Just trust him. Just trust him. Amen. I just want to pray for you. And I, I want to ask our prayer team to come forward. And I'm just going to pray. And then we're just going to close the service down. And, and again, I'm not saying you can't come up here to be prayed for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I, I want you to go home and chew on this and wrestle this through with God. You have a proper understanding of it. But if you're sick or you're hurting, we want to pray for you. We don't want you to leave without being prayed for. Next week, we're going to pray for this. Next Sunday morning and, and next Sunday evening. And, and just be prayed and just ask God just to move. Again, it's not about a movement. It's about empowering. It's about seeing the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in this church, in his church. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just come before you this morning and we just thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for the length and the depth that you went to to show us who you are. That your word became flesh and and lived among us. And God, we got to witness your amazing love and your grace, your power and your authority against sin, sickness, God, emotional God, mental, Lord God, physical healings, everything, Lord God. You showed us how much you loved us, God. And God, we got a picture of you, the Father. And then, Lord Jesus, you're sending us. God, none of us are righteous enough, but we stand righteous by your shed blood on that cross, washed and cleansed by you. And God, I just pray for every heart in this place this morning, God, God, that they would just hear from you, Lord Jesus, that every uh, guard, Lord God, every sense of control, Lord God, would just become, just, just start breaking down, Lord God, that they would begin to yield themselves to you, Lord God. God, I pray for those who are even on the fence about this. I pray, God, that they haven't heard a message about speaking in tongues. But I pray that they've heard a message about being empowered by you, Lord God. And God, we just bring every life, Lord God, would you give and pour out into this place and into each person in here everything that you have for them. Empower them, not for themselves, but for your kingdom. God, empower them for those who are lost. Empower them for those who are sick. Empower them for those who are desperate, Lord God, that they might, those broken and lost people might encounter you when they encounter us. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These altars are open if you need prayer. Like a rushing wind Jesus breathe within Lord have your way Lord have your way